All right, real quick, people, before we get into today's show, we've just released a new course, Periodization for Periods, all around how to train women around their monthly cycle, and we've got it on special. If you're interested, click the link in the show notes. You are now listening to the Bootcamp Blueprint, the place where personal trainers can learn how to grow their bootcamp and social media. Here's your host, Jono Petrohilos. Okay, hello everybody. Welcome to the Bootcamp Blueprint, the place where personal trainers go to grow their bootcamp and social media. I'm super excited because we've got an overseas guest on this week, uh, Carl Hammington from New Zealand. Now, Carl is the founder of Best Me and Health Fit Collective. He's a functional movement coach and play advocate. He's a PT mentor and a FitEx presenter with over 15 years experience in the industry. He's a podcast host. You can find him on Best Me Radio. He's got all sorts of qualifications there. I'm just going to read out your main ones here, Carl. Otherwise, we'd be the whole podcast reading out all your, your qualifications. But he does have a bachelor's degree in sport and exercise, majoring in exercise prescription and a diploma in exercise science. And he actually had his name on the Dean's List, which is really, really cool. But anyways, without further ado, let me introduce the one and only Mr. Carl Hammington. Carl, how are you? Thank you very much for that epic intro, Jono. And, uh, <laughs> that, that, you wrote, that, that you wrote yourself, by the way. I just copied that <laughs> <on the> website. <laughs> yeah, um, I know. I, could have been, I reckon I could have glossed that up even more. But, but yeah. <laughs> Honestly, though, he did have more. I had to delete half of it because I was like, I'm going to be here all, all day. Um, Carl, I'd like to start all these podcasts off with a quote or mantra that inspires you or fires you up. Have you got one for us? Yeah. So um, for me, it's um, never stop playing. <laughs> so to me, you know, you can p- find play in every element of life if you want to. Uh, it can be the way that you communicate with people. Uh, it can be the, your mindset um, or it can, be, it can be physical as well. So um, find those opportunities for play. Love that Simple. so much. Love that. <laughs> so, and I agree so much with that. Like I just, I can't see a disadvantage yeah. to it, right? Like, why would you not exactly. want to make something more fun? You know, I just, I can't yeah. see a reason, you know, but um, I totally agree. <laughs> anyway, so on that note, it should be a fun, a fun, a fun podcast. What I'd like to start with Carl is if you could tell my listeners a little bit about yourself, like we've got that long bio there, but what yep. is it that you actually do and how did you get to that point? If you could give us the, the breakdown yeah. there, if it's a long story, that's fine. We can stop along the way and give little pointers, <laughs> but just let us know. Yeah, I, do, I, get, I get a little bit sidetracked sometimes, so feel free to rein me in. But uh, it might be easier to start with, um, you know, how I got to this point to start. So I guess what brought me into the, the realm of, um, of play and functional movement is I've been through quite a journey, like, like everyone has in life. And I started off like every Kiwi kid, very active in the backyard as, as often as possible um, around the neighbourhoods, finding any opportunity to get out and play. And then I got into, you know, competitive sport, which is great. And, you know, movement became a little bit more serious and a little bit more structured. Um, I started doing well uh, in, in rugby in particular. And, you know, as I got a little bit older, um, I started studying exercise at, at school. And then I went to university and I started to make rep teams in rugby. And then I, just around that same time, I got into weight training in the gym. And so... Um, you know, I started to learn that, you know, this movement is for this muscle group and, and, and whatever else. But I think uh, I perfectly set myself up for a, it's called the unhappy triad, which is a, an ACL, MCL, 
uh, rupture and uh, medial meniscus tear. So that, that ended my, uh, my rugby career at that stage, um, which actually led me further into the gym. And I started, um, you know, exercising a little bit more, lifting more weights. And I had a trainer that came up to me and he said, hey, look, you've, you've got quite a good physique. You should have got bodybuilding. And I thought, okay, well, I think I was probably searching for a little bit more achievements in the physical realm. And I took up bodybuilding and I did quite well. I won a couple of national titles and I came over across the ditch and I, and I did some international competitions. Um, but what I noticed was I, one thing, I was starting to get sore and injured and it wasn't through uh, sport. I wasn't even challenging myself uh, you know, in a three-dimensional way. I, I tore my labrum in my left shoulder. I started to get some lower back issues, some knee issues, um, some tendinopathies. And also that led me to um, not be able to do the things I really loved doing. So I couldn't trust my body in any environment like I used to be able to. So I couldn't go out and play touch footy. I couldn't, uh, you know, rough and tumble with my mates. I couldn't climb a hill um, without feeling like I could potentially do some damage. Um, and I guess on the, side, the, the mental side, I started identifying with, um, you know, the, the, the muscly guy with, with dreadlocks at the time as well. So I had a bit of an identity um, challenge and crisis. I was like, well, I'm not that happy. Uh, to me, movement is so important in my life. To me, movement is defined as, you know, it's a definition of freedom. If you can't move, I can't do all the things I want to do in life. And that's just my personal um, uh, philosophy around that anyway. So I started to ask questions. I had a really good mentor at the time as well, which I highly recommend. I think everyone needs at least one mentor. And uh, he sort of came at, a, at about that same time. And I started to ask questions around what is a human body designed to do? How we're designed to eat, interact with people, connect, move, um, and all of the other elements think. Um, so, yeah, that, that opened up a big old can of worms, as you can imagine. And, um, yeah, that led me into, you know, the realm of play through, you know, the work of, like, Frank Ferencic, um, I had, uh, you know, I came across some of Ian O'Dwyer's work, which was great, uh, led to John Polly's work, Dave Leo. Um, and then I came across people like, you know, Daryl Edwards and Mike Fitch, uh, you know, the creator of Primal Play and the creator of um, Animal Flow. And, uh, yeah, and it sort of really opened up my eyes. And um, I guess now, and then actually I started to interview people that lived in the Blue Zones, the longest living populations in the world. And I started to draw together some, you know, connect some dots, I guess. And I realized that, you know, movement is for, has been for survival. We did a lot of it. That's one element. Um, and the other one was we're, we're designed to be jack of all trades. You know, we're designed to get a lot of diversity in our movement and our motor patterns and our stimuli, everything from, uh, you know, what we grip um, to our physical environment, temperature, surface, things like that as well. And I realized that everything I was doing was very, very linear um, and very, very isolated, usually in the, the, you know, the sagittal plane of motion, um, some frontal work, but not much. And then I was wondering why I wasn't functioning well. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess I, I started to develop my own systems around that time and my own beliefs and um, dived into that a little bit more. And now I'm a very strong advocate of um, you know, three-dimensional movement and definitely play being a strong part of that as well um, for, for sustainability, um, for happiness, um, and also just to 
you know, to make your life a bit better. <laughs> like you said before, there's no, there's no downsides to, to being playful. Love that. So that, that's kind of it in a nutshell. <laughs> but uh, from that, I do have some, uh, some systems in place now called my, my foundational movement principles. And uh, there's six steps to that. And uh, I don't know if you saw, I spoke on that at the, at the FedEx conference, but um, I believe if you do these six things, um, it can make you move better and it can make you a happier human and just a better person in general. Wow. Amazing. Can I, <laughs> that's such a good introduction to those six things there. Can I please yep. ask that you share these with the listeners, Carl? Is that something you can share? <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. We're just before, let's, let's talk this up again because they were three very important things there. So what are these th- three things going to do? Let us know again. Six things actually. So um, there, there's, there's a few, there's six of them, but basically um, it is a six step process and obviously each one of these elements can be you know a, a presentation on their own but I, I, I say it helps rehumanize us um, so it helps bridge that gap between what we're genetically designed to do and how the, the current landscape is basically um, and number one is actually just um, addressing and uh, exploring your relationship with movement so you know ask yourself what does movement mean to you um, you know, does it nourish you? Um, is it something you do for yourself or is it something you do for external validation? Um, you know, you just start exploring these ideas and these questions and from that place, um, hopefully you'll get a pretty sound answer and that should start driving actions from there on in. Awesome. All right. That's the first one. (laughs) Well, number two is uh, it's a bit more physical. So in my opinion, it's a, the most functional movement of them all and that's breath. Um, so having a, a proper breath, breathing mechanism and becoming aware of your breath. So there's, there's, there's a few dimensions to this, as you know. Um, so breath, the way that we breathe represents um, physical structure. Um, so we know now that, you know, for example, our emotional state uh, can influence our physical structure. Our physical structure can influence our breath. So they know now that when your rib angle drops below a certain point, then it literally almost shuts down diaphragmatic action. So your secondary muscles take over. Um, it can create tension through, you know, the neck, the upper back, which can, you know, obviously influence everything. Um, we know that uh, breath itself, diaphragmatic breath, can have a very strong effect on our endocrine system. So, um, you know, if we're using our diaphragm correctly, um, it can have a calming effect on the autonomic nervous system. So it can kick us back into that uh, parasympathetic nervous system state or that rest and digest state. We know that the ratio of breath, so the breath in versus the breath out ratio, can influence uh, that autonomic nervous system function again. So if you take a slightly longer breath out, it will kick you, or it'll start to prioritize the parasympathetic nervous system. If you take a longer breath in versus breath out, it'll prioritize um, the fight and flight mode or the sympathetic nervous system. So breath is huge. Um, and like I said, you've got to address uh, emotion, posture, um, and actually just reteaching yourself to breathe correctly through the diaphragm. Yeah, wow. that's a big one, I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so we've got our first two. What's the third one there, Carl? Yeah, um, the third one, actually third and fourth is a bit of a tie. <laughs> So I have got, uh, this has bumped up the list a little bit recently um, since I've spoken to a few experts around this, but it's um, get down and erecticize. 
Okay. <laughs> Love it. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? Yeah. Let's so start. basically, yeah. it's, the, <laughs> it's the ability to get down and up off the ground. So um, in my opinion, there's no, you know, in terms of global movements, there's not too many movements that uh, are more important than that. And you might have come across some of the research from uh, one of the Brazilian physicians, and he's created uh, the sit-to-stand test. And it's literally assessing your ability to get down on the ground and stand back up. Um, and there's a whole point system around it. And they've found there's a direct correlation between your ability to perform this test and uh, mortality rates. So it's literally a, it's a predictor of death and life expectancy. Wow. And what there's different, what, what, can you expand the levels there, Carl? Do you say there's different, you get a score for how quick you do it or yeah. how you? No, no. So it's, it starts, you stand in a neutral position, you cross your feet over. So you're standing on the edges of the outside of your feet. You lower yourself to the ground and then you have to try and stand up again. Your hips have to touch the ground or your bum have to, to, to rest on the ground. Then you have to stand up. If you have to readjust, so if you, you lose your balance, you have to readjust, you, you minus a point. Sorry, you start with 10 points, you minus a point, you subtract a point. And if you have to put a limb down, so that could be a hand, an elbow, or even a knee on the ground, each time you do that, you lose a point as well. So you start with 10 points maximum, and you can you know, obviously lose it right down to zero. And it's quite scary, the correlation. And it's a big study group he used as well. So it's, it's a reasonably strong predictor of, of general wealth and, uh, sorry, health and longevity. I never knew that. I can't wait mm. to do it myself and then just to test it with all my, my friends and family. Yeah. That's so powerful. It's a rise test, sorry, I think it's called officially. Oh, it's it's a rise. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. All right, there's yeah. our third. What's the fourth one, Carl? Yeah, so actually that one I've got another couple of points. It's just there's one more point and that's spend time on the ground, actually. So um, instead of sitting in a seat, spend time on the ground. You know, try... <laughs> Try sitting on the ground for an hour. There's no way you're going to spend an hour sitting in one place. So you're getting direct, you're getting a whole series of um, diverse motor patterns. You're getting some active mobility work, which we know now is more, uh, it's better for your mobility than, you know, just general stretching. Um, And you're getting some, you know, some nice little endocrine responses and even some, uh, especially in the deep squat position, some nice digestive side effects. So, um, Deep squat, deep flat foot squat is one of those positions I, you know, I emphasize. And that's, you know, it's good for general mobility. It's good for complete elimination. So we know gut health is related to a lot. Um, and, uh, yeah, just general uh, deep abdominal function as well. Awesome. Let's, so that's let's, kinda... let's touch a little on that. So time on the floor, right? Is there like a particular position or any position on the floor? Or what do we mean time on the floor there? Yeah, no, that's good. That's a good question. So um, I've got a series of my favorite positions on the floor. <laughs> so <laughs> sounds really bad. Eh? Yeah. Um, <laughs> These are G, G-rated podcasts, right? Of course, of course. Sorry about that. I <laughs> didn't read the fine print. <laughs> so, you know, you've got cobbler's position where you're down on one knee, which is great for ankle mobility. You've got the 90-90 stretch position, which you can work some different angles. Um, you've got a straddle position. You've got your deep squat. Um, yeah, there, there's a whole range of positions you can work yourself through. Um, and obviously, you can make it more unilateral. You might have one leg out straight, the other leg tucked in. Um, but yeah, having that diversity is going to have different benefits, of course. And, but obviously, you're not getting too caught up in one position for too long. Yeah, well, that was my next question. So the, the goal, I'm guessing, is, okay, let's sit on the floor. How am I sitting yeah. naturally? Okay, interesting. 
all right, what if I move like this? Oh, okay, now it's a completely different sure. position and I'm moving in a different way. Is that the, the benefit to that there? Definitely. That's a huge part of it. Um, and what I didn't say is around all of these principles, um, there's a mindfulness element. So to actually becoming aware of how you're integrating these principles into your life. And when you're doing it, you know, even bringing awareness to these principles will, will can potentially change your life. I'm, uh, this is an interesting podcast. I can't wait to do this. As soon as we get off this, I'm just going to sit on the ground for an hour. Get down on the ground, man. <laughs> and just see, see where I am because I have no idea. I haven't sat yeah. on the ground for, for and just mucked around on the ground in different sitting positions for, yeah. since I was a kid, right? Yeah, exactly. I think, I mean, that's where a lot of this came from as well, actually, is observing my children. I've got two, two beautiful little girls. And oh, honestly, movement-wise, I learned so much from them. That's that's the way they make sense of the world. You know, they, they explore physically. Uh, it's also their first form of communication. So, you know, movement is just, it's amazing to watch a child move. I mean, if you want to learn how to breathe properly, watch a child breathe. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I'm not a father myself. I can't wait to be. But well, that's one of the reasons why, just to learn off yeah. kids, right? Oh, it's amazing. I it's very inspiring, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah. all right, cool. Is that it for the third one or have we got more on this third one? Still? Pretty much. I mean, there's, there's more layers to each of these, but you know, I don't want me to waffle for too long. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite one so far, I think. I can't That's wait to fiddle around that. All right. Number four, oh, yeah. Carl, what have we got? Uh, it's use your feet like feet. <laughs> okay. So basically, um, basically, it's use your feet like they're designed to be used. So, I mean, you would have found at FitX, there was a big theme that came through was um, actually getting back to using these amazing sensory uh, pieces of technology on the bottom of our bodies, uh, the way they're designed to be used. <laughs> so, you know, we know now we've got, you know, up to about 200,000 proprioceptors, a huge amount of nerves and uh, communication uh, pathways in the bottom of our feet. We've also got about uh, a quarter of the bones in our body. We've got 33 joints in our foot and ankle. Um, these things are designed to move. <laughs> And they're designed to give feedback. Uh, they're, they're the way we literally, if you think about the lowest common denominator, what's the purpose of a foot? <laughs> it's designed to interact with the surface beneath us, which is ancestrally has been the earth. Um, and now we're wrapping them up in uh, these mm. sensory deprivation chambers, <laughs> these shoes, um, which doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. So that was a big, that's a big one. That's why I sort of have these, those, those last two, these last, these two points here are so closely related. I can't prioritize which one's more important than the other, but they're, they're super important. Um, I love that point. I didn't see where you were going. I'm like, what does he mean? Move, move, move. <laughs> but then when you got to it, cool. So a lot of barefoot stuff, right? Barefoot stuff. Yeah. Obviously there's some, you know, some red flags around that. If you've got certain foot conditions and neurological issues, but Generally, if you're getting bare feet more, and there's usually a graded exposure and a series of steps you want to go through, um, yeah, your body's going to move better. You're going to be more kinesthetically aware. Um, it's going to upregulate your nervous system. So your, your fascial system, we know, like a huge amount of our, our fascial lines tie under our foot. So if we can smarten them up, them up generally it will smarten up our, our motor patterns. Um, and once again, it actually has some really interesting tie-ins to our autonomic nervous system function. Um, so it can actually have a, a, a grounding effect on our ANS, so or a calming effect, a balancing effect. And there's a there's a mechanism in the foot called the windlass mechanism, and that's when your toe, the big toe, is flexed beyond a certain angle. 
um, it basically readies our body for action because it's loaded. And you'll find most shoes, or pretty much every single shoe, has a flexion in the toe. So you're, you're constantly being uh, told that you're ready for action. So you're constantly in that fight and flight mode. The fascia from the bottom of your foot is ready to go. Um, so, you know, we're, it's, it's really creating a massive dif- dysfunction uh, in our foot. We also know, actually, through some of the research of Dr. Tracy Alloway, that um, barefoot's movement in particular can actually increase our working memory. Uh, which is actually a stronger predictor of intelligence than uh, IQ testing. Now, really? so it's actually, it, it, yeah. So some of her research is fascinating. Uh, one of them was she got people running around a, a track in bare feet, and the study group they dropped a whole, uh, they dropped Lego over the over the track. So obviously, constantly your body and your brain is problem solving consistently in shoes not replicable and even in bare feet without the terrain not so much so yeah being in bare feet uh, moving on a mixed terrain is uh is very very useful uh for our body wow i love that point because i i just love being barefoot myself right mm. so and i love the, i love the trend in the fitness industry at the moment so i'm a huge fan of uh john polly's as well and i yep. love going to his presentations i can just take my shoes off and not feel yeah. bad about it you know Totally, and he encourages totally. it. He presents with his shoes yeah. off. Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. Dave's the same. Dave Leo, I love it. He always he always gets people in bare feet. And I think he's got a shoes off policy in his gym as well. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Cool. The dangers of uh, the dangers of being in shoes outweigh the dangers of not being in shoes. So. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. You're not wearing shoes now, are you, Carl? Uh, I have my my five fingers on currently. So <laughs> that was actually what I was going to ask. What's the what's the go on the what's the opinion on the five fingers? Well, well, yeah, I mean, I think they definitely have their place. I think you, before you integrate into barefoot work, you really do have to learn how to move in bare feet first. And that can be the danger with a lot of people is you go from, you know, like I said, the sensory deprivation chambers 24 hours a day to all of a sudden um, having to, you know, go into complete sensory overload with, with your feet. And if your feet haven't moved or interacted with surfaces in a long time then yeah you there's a few things that can happen but it's usually not going to be pretty so yeah um i think they're a useful tool for integrating back into it um but even with that i I had to be careful when i integrated back into it like i'm a sort of throw myself in and you know learn as i go person (laughs) i actually did it uh first time i got them i wore them for a whole day and they say wear it for two hours maximum uh, for the first day Chuck them on. I wore them for the entire day, PTing people, so I'm always moving. Went for a little jog around the block, and the next day I could hardly move. So. Oh, wow. Okay, so, so just, just to our listeners, the five fingers, they're those shoes that are sort of not really – they look like a sock, right? That sort of thing yeah. there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so they're – yeah, they're like a glove for your feet, basically. <laughs> awesome. All right. So they're yeah, – Generally, like, you know, you get a few points off for aesthetics, but, you know, it doesn't worry me. Oh, what minus points you're saying? They don't look too pretty. Yeah. Well, I thought you were going the other way. I thought you were saying, "Yeah, I look so cool well, in them," and I was like, "Really?" That's what I'm told. In my opinion, I, get, I reckon you give bonus points for them. I think they're great. But yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, there's our four, Carl. What's number yep. five? So yeah, number five is um, actually uh, find your flavor. So and that is where play comes in. So. This is more explorative again. So what's your movement flavor? You know, what's, 
what's something that brings joy to your life? Um, when was the last time uh, you really enjoyed movement and what was it? Uh, is there something you've always wanted to do if there hasn't been a joyful experience in your life? Um, otherwise, it's just time to experiment. So, you know, find your movement flavor because as soon as you can find uh, the movement that makes you happy, the movement you look forward to, it's something you're going to do for the rest of your life. Well, it's something you're at least going to look forward to doing for the rest of your life. Um, and then once you've found your movement flavor, um, how do you integrate it into your life? How do you make it become a part of your life as opposed to something external? Um, and that's something that, you know, with these Ozone people that I've spoken to, um, they're very active people and they have a functional side to that, which is actually, you know, the laborious side of an active life, but then they've got a playful side as well. They often play in a community. They have sports, um, regular dance activities that they engage in. Um, and it's just a part of their life. It's not something they think about doing. So one of the guys I interviewed, actually, Marcus Pierce, he spent time living in Ikaria. He's done it a few times now, which is a little uh, island of Greece. Looks absolutely stunning, by the way. And, you know, they're one of the longest living populations in the world, the highest concentrations of centurions. And he was saying that him and it was Dr. Damien Christoph um, jumped up and they decided to go for a run around the island and everyone was looking at them like they're crazy. And a guy came up to them and said, hey, what, what are you doing? And he said, oh, I'm just going for a jog. And the guy was like, why? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, actually, yeah, that's probably a really good question. I should probably ask myself. Wow, I, I, I love So, that. yeah, it's, um, you know, why are you doing this? You know, are you, I just thought it was a really cool point. So, yeah, make it, find your flavor, make it part of your life, and, and maybe, um, yeah, what is, what is the best play that you can integrate in and what do you look forward to? So there's a few questions around that. I love mm. that. There's, you've given me another task. You just keep giving me these tasks, Carl, to do off the, <laughs> the podcast. I've yeah. never thought about looking at what the blue zone people, what's the word? Yeah, so the, the blue zones, there's five of them, and they're the, the longest or they're the highest concentrations of centurions uh, on the planet. So one of them was, you know, Ikaria. I think uh, most people know of Okinawa in Japan. And then there's um, some Seventh-day Adventists in California. Um, there is a group in Costa Rica. And then there is another one in uh, Spain, off the top of my head. Yeah, um, that I can't remember that exact name. But I've, I've spoken to some people that have lived in Okinawa and some people that have lived in, uh, spent some time in Ikaria. It's been really insightful. Well, I mean, it's if you want to be healthy, like go and find <laughs> the places that there's people yeah. that live to 100, right? Like they must yep. be doing something right, especially if it's not just one person. It's a high concentration. Yep. What, what yep. better way to learn? So you've inspired me to look into that. So, so thank yeah. you. Yeah. I also and it's funny. I've, I've, I've got a bit of a reputation lately. Of, uh, I've got a wide range of clientele. I still train some clients at the gym and I've got from – you know, some of the elite athletes here work with, you know, New Zealand ballet and some, um, some carded athletes. And on the other side, I'm known as the old, the old fella trainer. So I've got a, a 97 year old client, uh, and his 93 year old wife. And wow. They, yeah, it's incredible actually. And he came to me <laughs> with the intention of improving his golfing handicap. So, uh, for a start, I was like, congratulations you're still playing golf it's incredible <laughs> twice a week um and having a performance goal at 97 is just incredible so and then i've got an 87 year old 
uh, so I've got the 97 year old, 93 year old wife, an 87 year old client, um, an 80 odd year old client and some people in their seventies. And these people are incredible movers and they're happy, they're healthy. So I started to really see a correlation between what these, what these people were doing and, you know, these long living population and some definite themes that overlap. And part of it was actually, you know, diversity of movement, wide range of movement, um, social setting. Um, and the biggest part was actually, um, which Leonard told me, the 97 year old, he said, Carl, you just got to learn to go with the flow. I was like, wow, how much wisdom is in that? You know? Yeah. <laughs> just go with the flow. <laughs> well, the, 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 other, the other part to that I like is the find your flavor. So I did a session mm. with, with John Polly JP at FitX. So I went to yep. his presentation and this, the basic system was he got you to do a movement, right? Let's say me and you were doing a movement and you could pick any movement. And he said the most boring you could pick up, right? So people were picking, you know, yeah. star jumps and mountain climbers and push-ups and squats, right? Yeah. And he's like, all right, give me a rating yeah. of, of um, zero to 10 on how fun that is. And, you know, you got some of the best trainers in New Zealand there, right? And they're saying, you just want me to do a star jump, like one out of 10? He's like, all right, you know, how can we, how can we make it more fun? right? They're like, oh, maybe if we move with the star jump. All right, cool. Let's do, let's do a star jump and now let's move with it. Now what is it? Oh, now it's probably a three, right? It's not ideal, but it's better. Okay. JP's like, how can we make it more fun? They're like, ah, oh, maybe if there are a few other people doing it with us. He's all right, let's get three or four people all doing it, moving it together. All of a sudden you've now got, you know, four or five people doing star jumps together, moving. What is it now? Ah, probably a five. You know, I wouldn't say it's super fun, but I can probably do it. Okay. Right. He's all right, what can we do to, to get, and it kept going on. And by the end of it, it ended up being a game of bum tag with star jumps, right? So you had a whole group of people. <laughs> in a small group I love of that. It's so yeah, good. Someone, someone was in, right? And they had to try and tag someone else. And that person was in and everyone in there then said it was a 10, right? So I think there's yep. a, a few things going on, but like what I liked about that was it was the mm. find your flavor where you got to pick, right? The person doing it yep. got to pick. It wasn't a trainer saying, hey, this is a fun exercise. You have to do it because it's fun. Like, because it's yeah. different for everyone, right? Yeah. So I, that's, that's, I like that. I really like that. Oh, and yeah, you know what? It's a good, good principle. And hey, yeah. it was so much fun because we were just playing yeah. for an hour. Then we just did it that's with different one. exercises and it was the quickest session ever, right? Yeah, for sure, man. I, I totally agree. Yeah. And, um, there's an interesting thing there, and, and I picked this up through uh, with Daryl Edwards, actually. And he said, play, often people think of it in terms of it's quite airy-fairy. Um, it doesn't have a purpose. He, he said, try telling that to a kid that's playing the lava game. You know, play can have a purpose. So, so play doesn't mean it's easy. Like, uh, you know, for me, play is sometimes I try, try and climb a tree. I'll get to the top of the tree. That's bloody hard work, you know. Um, and you can see, you know, I've actually created a whole lot out there. We're, we're lucky enough to be in a really amazing location and I call it the urban playground. So I've got a whole series of, of, um, of measurable testing systems outside in a play environment. So we can test these things and, and see a, a measurable progression. So play can also be you know, a really challenging task. I, it doesn't uh, need me. Well, I'm a huge fan of fitness games there, Carl, right? Yeah. And awesome. I, I'm actually, yeah, to be honest, I, I, I think I need some sort of competition for it to be fun yeah. with me, right? Like, kids said, ah, go and play. I'm probably going to get bored. 
But if it was, hey, go and play and try and beat this person or, hey, go and play and try and get to the top of that or, hey, try and play and, and do this. Like if there's some sort of goal, that's what makes it fun to me. So I love that. Definitely, hey, definitely. We, yeah, we've got one more point left, I believe, here, Carl. What's number six? Yes. And that's the, um, that's the performance layer. So that's where, you know, a good, a good trainer or practitioner comes in. And uh, that's just 3D if I, so, um, you know, this is, get, this is where it gets a little bit more technical. So you're taking the client's wants and their needs and you're trying to create um, a sound scientific periodized plan uh, based around these and what you find in the assessment uh, and then put it into a 3D environment. So, you know, that, that's where it all sort of ties together. Um, like I said, it doesn't need to be loose ended. These things are quite loose in principle, but you can actually put it into a really structured, um, scientifically valid and, uh, exercise prescription, uh, format. So that's, that's where the performance layer goes, goes in. And that's where you look at, okay, what are their goals? You know, what does it require? What are their motor patterns currently? What, um, energetics are they going to need to, to get involved? Um, what does their life look like to, to make it realistic for their, their timeframes. That's sort of just bringing it all together. Like I said, that's, that's where we teach systems around how that trainer or that practitioner can integrate these things in and put it into a performance layer. Love so it. So for example, I still train uh, a bodybuilder actually. And my first reaction was, oh, I don't really do that sort of thing anymore. And I was like, well, there's something he likes and he wants to do. Um, and he's into the three sets of 10 style training, which probably isn't the way I train anymore, but um, I'm going to play, I'm playing the long game with him. So I've integrated uh, and shown benefits of putting some 3D work in there. I've got him on the rings. I get him doing some reactivity work. Um, I get him doing a lot of stability work and some other movements. And I, and I sell it to him in terms of just providing some some evidence behind it. So, you know, through doing this, we're going to get increased muscle fiber recruitment, you're going to increase your range of motion, which gives you the ability to build more muscle. And uh, also, um, obviously, you see the confidence side change. So he had a goal of um, doing a bodybuilding competition. And uh, after you know quite a few years of training, he hadn't quite got there. And, and uh, last year, actually, we got him up on stage and he did incredibly well. And at the end of it, he, he, he said to me, he didn't actually find it hard. He found it a really enjoyable process. So... Yeah, we did a lot of work around mindset as well, and actually just enjoying the process as opposed to you know judging yourself as well. So he did incredibly well, um, and that's where you can get these principles, sneak them in. You know, if you know it's the content well enough, um, you can apply it to anything, um, no matter what the goals are. Love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's where a bit of that science and creativity come together. I think. Awesome. Well, hey, Carl, most of our listeners here are boot camp instructors. So they're running their own boot camps, maybe indoor, maybe outdoor, but the common thread is it's exercise going on and it's groups there. I was hoping you could give us maybe three quick tips on what these boot camp instructors can do to add fun to their sessions there. If they're currently, I'll just give you a a scenario, right? Let's say you've got a boot camp and the trainer's running circuits every session right they come in they do some sort of a five minute functional warm-up they'll run maybe a a circuit where there's 10 stations and they do a couple minutes on each station and most of those exercises are in the sagittal plane um and they do a bit of a stretch at the end to to cool down all right 
Now, me yep. myself, I don't like that style. It's everyone's got their own preference, right? But for me, that's just super boring. Could you give a trainer like that maybe three tips on what they can do to make that session a bit more fun for the clients, a bit more playful? Sorry, just just cut out for a second there, Jono. Oh, sorry. Um, you're back sorry. now, though. <laughs> I missed most of your question. <laughs> That's all right. I'll go back and edit this. Um, so let's just say you've got a, got a trainer. They're running a boot camp. Their boot camp basically yep. involves a five-minute functional warm-up. They then run through a, a circuit, 10-station circuit. Majority of those exercises, if not all, are in the sagittal plane, and they do a five-minute stretch at the end of it. Now, my opinion, that can get a little bit boring, right? What are maybe mm-hmm. three things that trainer can do to make the, the session a bit more fun and a bit more playful for the clients? Yeah, um, yeah, I can't help but think about the, the whole process here. I could be a little bit probably over-analytical here, but <laughs> I would actually, to be honest, I'd, I'd, before I start these things, we do a lot of um, group training here as well, actually, is um, gain some feedback beforehand. So ask these questions in a pre-screener um, just to see what uh these people are actually going uh going to enjoy um but i can guarantee you there's going to be some you know some fun some people really like the the hands-on interactive work some people absolutely hate it so it might be worth getting your hands on some of that information beforehand in my opinion i like to be safe going into it um because i've experimented with some of this stuff and i've got feedback and i've adapted uh, along the way but uh, going forward i always ask those questions now even in terms of a group um because you'll, you'll, you, I mean, the best form of movement is something that people are going to do often, right? So you want people to be moving and you want it to be an enjoyable experience. Um, so some people are going to enjoy the high five, low five games, the bum tag. Other people might absolutely hate it. So maybe gain some insights as to uh, what that individual uh, enjoys uh, beforehand. And then you could cluster together, get some, get some ideas of your cohort and what your target market is. So it can sometimes help refine that. And then you can sort of tailor suit. Uh, in terms of how it could physically manifest, I think an icebreaker game um, that's reasonably simple uh, is always a good way to start. Usually, I mean, this is me with my stuff though, um, I'll get people in bare feet um, and I'll have some really simple um, interactive games to start. So it might be something like uh, some basic warding or some core wall stuff. So you might get people standing on two feet to start hands facing each other and just gentle sort of offset taps with the ability, you know, the, the outcome is to try and knock your partner off their feet without being too brutal um, or sticky hands. We might get people touching uh, fingertips and then one person's a leader, one person's a follower and just moving around. It's great three dimensional work. It's not high intensity. You're not going to rupture anything or blow a disc. Um, and it's just a really nice way to get the energy uh, flowing first thing. And then I would challenge um, the, the trainers or the bootcamp instructors to think about how they can 3 Dify their uh, the current movements. So, you know, uh, for example, uh, like you, just, you gave a perfect example before, um, a squat doesn't have to be just a squat. Like a squat, you can change your foot position, uh, you can change the, um, the distance you reach, you can change the driver, uh, what can you do with the other limbs? Can you add some rotation? Can you add a bit more frontal plane work in there? Um, or can you add um, an extra stimuli or even a perturbation? So, um, yeah, how can you challenge yourself in terms of the movements that you're doing currently? Because you can add so much more value to your um, your participants' uh, experience there. 
Love it. So let's summarize those three. The first one was <laughs> the survey or the asking, right? So, hey, yep. we might think it's fun, but if the clients don't think it's fun, then it's no yep. point. So that's the first yep. thing there. The second point yep. is the icebreaker, and I'm a huge fan of that. Mm. And it's not even just an exercise thing, right? Like if you go to any, you go to a meeting or a conference yeah. or something, like how much better is it if there's a fun icebreaker at the start, right? And then the third point is 3D, the, the movements. So have a look at your mm. exercise there. Okay, you see a push-up. All right, what can I do to get that push-up in a different plane, right? Mm. Or okay, maybe I keep the push-up as it is, but now the next one I can't also have as a sagittal movement. So I'm going to make yeah. that lunge a curtsy lunge or a whatever. Yeah. I'm going to do a side lunge while swinging a kettlebell. And, you know, yeah. what sort of, what can we do to totally. get it there? So I... I love those there. Hey, we're coming to the end of the podcast here, Carl. I've got a yep. few questions I like to ask all my guests at the end. Yep. Now, <laughs> you're obviously a huge mentor to other personal trainers out there, especially when it comes to play and functional movement. I know you've dropped a few names along the podcast here, but let's, let's just drop them again at the end here. So if someone's listening and they're like, all right, Carl, I want to learn more about this. Obviously, I'm going to follow you and we'll give your social medias um, a mention in a second. Yep. But who do you go to learn things from? Yeah, I've been lucky enough to be exposed to you know, a few mentors and people I've had a lot of um, physical contact with. You know, uh, Dave Leo has been one of my initial mentors. He's great. The Australian, the Australian right? Yeah, he's not Australian. He's, he's a Kiwi, so glad. <laughs> but he's Australian at the moment. <laughs> so, um, I was lucky enough to, you know, when I first started, he was the person I mentioned at the beginning, actually, that was my first mentor around that transition time for me. And he's still doing great work at Kaizen. Um, you know, I love Eno Dwyer's work. I think he's always doing great stuff. He's reinventing himself. I love John Polly for the play. Um, I've got a great team here with Greg Wrightford, Mish McCormick, and Theo Bostrova. So um, I'm really lucky. I think we all inspire us at each other in, in certain ways. Um, really enjoying that environment. But some of the people I guess I've used in some of their material, and I've interviewed them through my podcast, um, Daryl Edwards, I love his stuff with Primal Play. Um, he's done some amazing work. Uh, I love Frank Frenchich and his work there. He's a creator of Exuberant Animal. Um, and he's written multiple books. Uh, I do enjoy Mike Fitch's stuff with, um, you know, his global body weight training and his animal flow. Um, he's just a really cool guy, and he understands, actually, the, the science behind what he's prescribing as well. Um, <laughs> I love, uh, I enjoy Paul Check's work still. I think he's a, he's a really interesting guy. Um, and some of the things we're seeing become fashionable now, he was talking about, you know, years ago. So I had the privilege of interviewing him recently as well so just just on a different level <laughs> um yeah those are some of the the people off the top of my head uh, dr bobby chima who's over in australia as well he's more on the academic side but uh, i always enjoy his uh, perspective as well Wow, that was the who's who of, of playing functional movement there. So I, I love that. Hey, now I yeah. want to get to, to you, Carl. So if someone's listening to this and they're like, look, you know, I, I like Carl's style here. I want to hear more about him. You are a PT mentor and I know you've got some, some programs coming up. So the best place yep. for people to contact you, I've got your socials written here. I'm just going to read them out and make sure that I've, I've got them all correct. So your business yep. is the best me. So listening to this, you're probably a podcast listener. So if you want to subscribe to Carl's podcast, it's Best Me Radio. Is that right there, Carl? Yep. Best Me, one word, radio. Yep. Awesome. The and the, the Instagram handle is Best Me Community. That's the one. 
Awesome. And then also your facility there in New Zealand is the Health Fit Collective. So we can, yep. the website is healthfitcollective.co.nz and can be found on Facebook and Instagram at Health Fit Family. Yeah. Well, Health Fit, Health Fit Collective on Facebook actually and Health Fit Family through Instagram. Ah, yep. let me write that Sorry. down. So, <laughs> My bad. Health Fit, because I'm going to put this in the show notes as well. So Health Fit Great. Collective on Facebook, Health Fit Family on Instagram. That's the one. Awesome. All right. Well, hey, Carl, that's all we've got time for today. Is there anything I missed? Is there anything I should have asked you that I shouldn't have? Is there anything you want to get off your chest there? No, I'm quite happy with that. I think we dived into some interesting stuff there, Jono. Um, just want to take time to thank you, though. You know, I think your work you're doing is just fantastic. And I loved hearing you talk um, at the event as well. So I just, I just love the way you're bringing the, you know, the, the wellness world together and we're creating a, a united community. I think it's really important. It's really important to understand that we're all on the same mission. You know, we should be working together. So, you know, thank you for what you do. No, I appreciate that. Um, but hey, I'm going to leave you to it. All right, Carl? Cheers, John. If you liked the show, share it with your friends, subscribe on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. For show notes and free training on how to grow your boot camp, visit www.fitnesseducationonline.com.au. Are you a fitness professional looking to provide your clients with personalized meal plans? Check out Mealsy, the ultimate solution for creating custom meal plans in just a few simple clicks. With Mealsy, you can say goodbye to countless hours spent on meal planning. Our Australian meal planning web app is designed to save you time and effort so you can focus on what really matters, your clients and their success. Mealsy provides you with a vast library of recipes all created by nutrition professionals. From breakfast to dinner and everything in between, we've got you covered. Whether you want to create a custom meal plan tailored to your client's needs or choose from our selection of ready-made meal plans, Mealsy has the flexibility to accommodate your preferences. So why waste precious time and energy creating meal plans from scratch? Let Mealsy do the heavy lifting for you while you focus on delivering exceptional fitness services. Join the community of fitness professionals who have revolutionized their business with Mealsy. Visit our website at www.mealsy.com and sign up today. Mealsy, the smarter way to meal plan for fitness professionals.